I have one yeah. last question and then I'm right. going to let you go. Um, <laughs> you know, in the last like 20 years, I've seen a lot of um, training implements become trendy. You see like mm -hmm. medicine balls, like picking them up and slamming them on the ground, tires, yep. tires, these ropes and stuff that people love to use. Yep. And then you see kettlebells, right? And yep. all of it has one common denominator. They're like super badass things to do. I used to see these like these Russian bags where you like sling them around and stuff. Like those are. Oh really yeah, we got awesome. some of those things. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> so here's my question: Are kettlebells just like dumbbells, but more badass, or are they <laughs> superior in some way? You know, you're one of the martial artists that I know who not only did martial arts a lot when they were growing up, but also got a, got off into fitness. And you have mm -hmm. a, your school, I don't know if it's primarily a fitness gym, but you have a pretty big fitness component to it. It's like a 50, so the, the gym is its own entity, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then the, the martial arts schools, so they're, they're separate. Um, but I do incorporate a lot of the fitness stuff into the martial arts. So like my, my students are getting it, whether they know they're getting it or not. <laughs> yeah yeah well I, I think there's a a real synergy between fitness and martial arts uh, of course yeah. um you know you can be able to defend yourself without being super fit but i think it's mm -hmm. like, um if you're a mechanic your fitness is your tool you know you're only going to be so good as you are fit you know i yep i um in basically every martial art I've ever studied, people who are really good athletes um, excel at sparring of all kinds. Even the prison, mm -hmm. for example, they kind of took the right. line that, you know, it's all about technique and even someone who's small can beat someone who's big. But let me tell you, that's <laughs> not true. Like, it, it's true at the low level for, like, white belts and blue belts and stuff. But when you get starting to get mm -hmm. up to higher ranks, like, if you're jacked and super ripped and you're also skilled, it's really difficult to beat that person. And the same thing is true yeah. with striking. You know, you get somebody who's got like a really long leg and it's super fast and super strong and you're trying to beat them as someone who's a lot smaller and a lot weaker, it's going to be very difficult for you. So I think yeah. fitness is really important. It's something that's not talked about enough. Fitness and mental yeah. ferocity, but we're not going to really talk about that today, but it's also super important, like your, your mental I think, state. I think those, those two are like intertwined personally. I mean, the, if you're if you're doing like like the appropriate fitness training, it should have an aspect of mental toughness to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, if it, it's an old saying, like if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the same thing with martial arts. Like if you just kind of like peter along through all this stuff, you're yeah. you're not really going to get a whole lot out of it. <laughs> so yeah. So any, anyway, I see there's a lot of synergy between these things, and so I have yeah. some questions for you as kind of an expert in the area of fitness. Um, what are some of your uh, best exercises you feel like for developing core strength? Um, so, you know, if, we'll just go kind of a couple different routes with this because okay. it depends on, I guess, the access to equipment that people have. Um, I, I think w once, I, once I finish my, my little thesis that I have to do for my fourth degree in hop keto, I, I will gladly share it with you and it can help give you some more insight because that's actually i'm doing this whole topic right now the benefits of more specifically um like we do hard style kettlebell training which is very akin to martial arts 
training. So like learning to get that relaxed, the tense uh, movements, you know, so like tensing at the right time, relaxing the right muscles, things like that. Um, so like the, like the how you do it is just as important, which we won't really have time to cover today, but um, we'll just kind of talk about like, right, like no equipment exercises, probably some of the best things for core strength that you could do would be um, just like that. If you ever see like a hollow position, like a gymnast holds, like when they're on the, on the gymnastics rings, they're kind of, I, I would say like squeezing their ribs and their hips together. You can practice that on the ground. Um, so if any, anyone wanted to look, look up like, uh, you know, after, you know, after watching this, like hollow rocks or hollow holds are really good for just building overall abdominal strength. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like specific to martial arts, my favorite thing is Turkish get-ups. And I actually had, did you ever meet Coach Ray, um, Ray Lilly? Um, he actually, he lives in Texas now. So he's a, he's a character, um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, we, we had to be careful what students we would. Was this live around. <laughs> somewhere else? This guy. Uh, he, he, he kind of came around after Scott a little bit. Uh, Ian had worked with him, um, a little bit. We, he had, he had helped me with a lot of our, like our kettlebell training, uh, early on. And he had me doing, cause we were trying to get into more grappling stuff. And I was at the time, like, uh, still like 170 pounds and, at six two, that's not a very good healthy weight to be at. Um, so I wanted to put some muscle on and build some strength. So he had me do twenty Turkish get-ups every day for a month. And uh, if if you want a great way to build some core strength, try carrying a weight up off the floor. Um, that you know, at, at the time he he told me uh, it's it's a twenty kilogram kettlebell was forty four pounds, which I thought was heavy then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can you describe uh, but, for us what a Turkish get up is? So uh, the easiest way, and if you've done any like standing up in base uh, mm-hmm. from bo- basically any martial art that teaches it, uh, instead of swinging your foot straight back to the floor, you just go to a kneeling position, mm-hmm. and then okay. you just you have a weight in your hand the whole the whole time you're getting up off the floor. So you would lay on your back, you press the weight up, and then you get up off the floor with it. So like you start mm-hmm. on your back roll up to your elbow, up to your hand, sweep your knee back, okay. up to kneeling, and then lunge up. Um, huh. It's a lot simpler than it sounds. Okay. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. So it's, it's just not like the execution of it takes some practice. Um, but like, I think the thing is like, if you, if you uh, have any type of grappling um, experience it makes that movement a lot easier i think if you have any martial arts experience it makes any fitness stuff you do a lot easier mm-hmm. um but I, I would think uh for like actual like core strength development uh those two and then like the other thing uh going back to like you know if you have the tools or not um and turkish get-ups you can do with dumbbells kettlebells barbells kettlebells are the best tool for it but mm-hmm. basically putting a weight over your head um is yeah. is the 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 thing with it um but the the other piece of equipment would be like an ab wheel so like you know old school boxing stuff right do the ab wheel rollouts um those are like going to be your top three core strength yeah. things that are going to teach you like the the proper like you know anterior chain uh movement which is going to i guess transfer the best like crunches and sit-ups and things like that they're they're okay to do sometimes. Um, leg raisers, I would put in there as like a close fourth. Uh, mm-hmm. But like a lot of people do them wrong, and I was doing them wrong for a long time. I always felt my back kind of clicking when I do them. 
Um, I used to let my low back come off the floor a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. Learning that hollow position really helped me keep my, my abs engaged mm -hmm. a lot better. And I think that's the more important thing is like learning how to recruit the muscles at the appropriate time versus just doing stuff to make it feel like you did something. Like yeah. we, we both know, like if you want to feel sore from something, like I, I can make someone sore and out of breath by having them run wind sprints all day, but it's probably not going to benefit them very much unless their goal is just overall like, you know, like a basketball player or something like that, soccer player, overall conditioning. But um, it, it has to match what your goal is, I think yeah. is the easiest, easiest way to put that. And I think those, you know, the hollow positions, Turkish get-ups and ab wheels are probably the three, like the top three exercises I would recommend to anyone training martial arts, especially if you're doing groundwork. Uh, Turkish get-up was actually developed about 750 years ago as a wrestling movement. Um, so, yeah, it's, oh. it's been in, the, in that grappling culture for a couple of years. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That takes us to our, my next thing. Okay, so yeah. what are some good ex, uh, explosion exercises? Um, so going back to, like, what equipment you have, uh, body weight, uh, in, investing in some good plyometrics training um mm -hmm. lee taft has a bunch of stuff he puts out um it's it's for athletes mm -hmm. uh but a lot of the stuff that he does is like sprint mechanics and footwork drills mm -hmm. uh so he has a lot of really good stuff in in that sense and a lot of good plyometric drills which i think like between you and i we've done a lot of the same things so probably a lot of the drills that you're already doing with your students or anyone that trains with you are going to be good things to stick with um you know broad jumps uh, skipping, like skipping for speed, things like that to pick, to develop your foot speed. Um, agility ladders are, are good for footwork. Um, as far as like weightlifting goes, uh, I would say kettlebell swings are probably one of the best ways to get that like explosiveness for lower body, yeah. but then also they're great for improving conditioning too. So it's kind of like a you get you get more than one benefit at the same time. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, and um, sprint, sprinting sprinting can't be left out either. I, I I would say like, and you don't have to do a lot of sprinting, but um, a lot of people like doing like Olympic weightlifting and things like that. I I feel the the risk of doing that far outweighs the benefit. Personally. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it not for the sport of martial arts. Things like that. Yeah, like maybe like at the at the most, if I had like a someone that was like a professional athlete, like a you know going into like UFC or something like that, I might have them do like power cleans, mm -hmm. maybe some maybe jerks, but I would rather have them do it with kettlebells. It's a lot safer, mm -hmm. uh, and it's the the weight's a little. I know it seems weird. The weight's a little more unwieldy with a kettlebell, which yeah. it actually winds up improving your your shoulder strength and stability. So when you do a jerk with a kettlebell you have the weight is hanging right here. Yeah. You jerk with the barbell, it's nice and spread out and balanced. Yeah, so yeah. you have to, you really have to understand the movement, um, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I got to get my little guy out of this thing here real quick okay. before we go uh, to the next question. I'll, okay. Once I get him out, he's going to be good. Just give me two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Here. Over here. 
I'm say hi real quick because I think Master Olds is really going to appreciate your shirt. <laughs> hello, hello, little sir. How are hello. you? <laughs> you say hi. <laughs> I, I don't know if you noticed what? the shirt. <laughs> uh, what, is, what is that? Dra Dra Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I watched a little bit back in the day. Yeah. Song. I think that's the uh, like the Master Roshi symbol or something like that. So okay, um, right. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah. So um, but going back to like the uh, like the explosiveness, you know, I think the the more specific you can get with um, training your actual like techniques that you're working on mm -hmm. um, is is going to be probably your best bet. I think a lot of the explosiveness kind of falls more on the like the conditioning side personally like you would save that for like a conditioning day um versus having that as like i i wouldn't rely on it solely to improve the the speed or you know power behind your kicks if that makes sense like the, okay. the best thing that you can do when it comes to that stuff is just literally continue to practice your techniques um and then like building strength and doing strength training is what helps um, kind of build some more power and strength with that. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's my, my observation. And from just with the people that just I've trained and with the people, I have, I have a friend that trains UFC fighters. Um, he's had like five of his guys that are belt holders and they've, every time it's been like, they've completely outworked the other person. They've been conditioned way better. And he, he does, like, you look at the stuff he does, and he, it's, like, super basic stuff he does with them. Yeah. Everyone thinks that, oh, they probably do all these complicated secret things, and it's, like, the, the main thing is, as martial artists that we need to do is, and this is why I got into kettlebells, it's, like, it's injury-proofing. Like, my shoulders were messed up, and my, my back was messed up, and my hips, I was moving poorly. Um, that's, that's why I got into doing more, more of the kettlebell uh, work over the years. That's cool. So the next yeah. point that I wanted to ask you about is endurance. You know, what are some mm -hmm. exercises that you recommend for building up, you know, that endurance? Um, so I'm going to go back to kettlebell swings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kettlebell snatches. <laughs> which is the the cure-all for everything. Yeah. It's, it's not really the cure-all, but like, so I always tell people if, if someone like held a gun to my head and said that, um, you know, you can pick like, one exercise to do for the rest of your life and that's all you can do i'd pick the turkish get up if they let me pick a second one it would be the kettlebell swing um okay. there's actually an entire program that was was written it's like a very minimalist program um yeah. it basically you do 100 kettlebell swings like not all in one set but you do like 10 sets of 10 and then 10 turkish get ups and that's literally the whole program mm -hmm. um there's been people martial artists police officers uh, athletes where you you want that like minimum effective dose of okay how am i going to invest my time because you know most people think of this as like um you know you need to put all this time in in the weight room and things like that uh if you're like most people you know you got family and and stuff you you don't have hours and hours to go spend in the gym right so like maybe you need something you can you can do a, like two or three days a week in like 45 minutes or less yeah um so that that's kind of where i look at that um so i mean obviously you know training uh, specific training and conditioning is going to be really big you know um sparring 
bag sparring, you know, having, doing like lots of mitt work, uh, shadow boxing, jumping rope. Uh, those, those are things that are, I think, kind of inherently built into martial arts um, that need to stay there as far as outside things go. Um, I, I know like kettlebell swings, like I had mentioned, and kettlebell snatches are, are good exercises for that. Um, also sprinting, uh, doing sprint work is good. Uh, or even like, you know, doing like a half hour, not even really measuring how, how far you, you run, but doing a half hour of running like road work. Uh, just, you know, go outside, run 15 minutes out, 15 minutes back. Um, you know, those, those are tried and true conditioning strategies that um, we, we know work. Um, yeah. but doing, doing any of anything that has a high intensity for a short period of time with a long period of rest afterwards is going to be the best way you can build. I, I look at it as building your fuel tank, uh, you know, growing your fuel tank. So, um, most people will, let's say you go out, uh, and you wanted to start an exercise program. Most people just run, right? So they go, they they run like a mile today and they try and run a mile and a half tomorrow and two miles the next day. And they just keep pushing through that burn. Um, that's, they, they call that glycolytic training. So like that's that, that buildup of all the lactic acid and everything in your muscles. And their goal is to push through that and push past that and, and try and, um, get a little bit more out of the other side of that burn. The doing, doing sprint intervals and doing, you know, kettlebell swings is kind of the opposite where instead of trying to push past that, all right, you're being goofy. You want to get down? Thank you. Um, instead of trying to just push past that all the time, yeah. the idea behind that is that what you're trying to do is you're, you're growing your work capacity. So now instead of having to, you know, work with the small fuel tank and like see how far you can get on your reserve, You've grown your fuel, your fuel tank to the point where, you know, it takes you longer to hit your reserve. And then when you push past it, you have a lot more to tap into. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a strange concept. Yeah. You know, you said so, most people go for a run, but honestly, I think most people go for a walk. It's, <laughs> you know, uh, like, yeah, yeah. I like, <laughs> like, I mean, there, You're there right. really are probably better, you know, exercises you can do than going for a run. But I mean, I'm. I think yeah. people who've never run for like, you know, many miles in a row really should try it out because they will show yeah. them how completely out of shape they are and how much yeah. endurance they really need to gain. And um, right. one thing I think is even better than a run, when I was in Korea, we used to go for like two hour runs and stuff and we would do like mm -hmm. two hours of just nothing but paddle training. And like, oh, yeah. that's yeah. really intense. Like, like kick, kick, yeah, kick, 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 you're like, you're like going up and down the floor for nothing but just two hours of nothing but kicks and punches because it's right. basically like running, but you're using your whole body. And I, I, I can absolutely, see, I don't know. You have to tell me if I'm incorrect about this, but there's a lot of correlation with the kettlebell because like with running, you're just doing this like forever. It's you know? Steady, steady, steady like, cardio, yeah. When you're, when you're punching and kicking or using a kettlebell or something, you're using like your whole body. And you're right. kind of exhausting your whole body, which is even yeah. better, I think. And, and the thing is, like, when – so, like, this is – everyone probably understands or has at least heard of, like, fast twitch versus slow twitch muscles. Mm -hmm. So, like, everyone's built a little bit different. Like, for yeah. me, I don't have as much upper body strength. It's just not how I'm built. Like, I – I would probably have been a great endurance athlete if I could stand the monotony of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
and that's the I reason can't. I don't like running. It's so boring. yeah, it is boring. <laughs> I just can't. Everyone's like, oh, I'll put a book or a podcast on. I'm like, yeah, but then I want to like sit down and listen to it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. Um, you know, I do that while I'm driving mostly, but um, you know, and which is fine. I'm not saying it's bad if people are doing that, but it's just not for me. So. But like the, the slow twitch muscle fibers are like more of the, the you know, long, they, they can endure that steady state of, of work. So it's like your postural muscles, your, your stabilizers and the things that you have to use all the time just to kind of get around. Um, you know, the, the fast twitch muscle fibers are something you can kind of train your body because there, there's, there's not just two types of muscle, but we're going to overly simplify this. Um, but like the fast twitch muscle fibers are the ones that are not only used for speed and explosiveness, but it's literally the same muscle fibers that you see people that are lifting super heavy weights off the floor. That's the same muscle fibers you're using if you're doing less than five repetitions of something. Mm-hmm. So like the, you, a lot of these power lifters are training like one to three repetitions of something, but they're lifting very heavy loads um, and they're training that fast twitch muscle fiber. Mm-hmm they could have also been someone that would have been very skilled at like jumping or, you know, throwing or whatever, depending on how they're built, obviously. Like some people are just built to throw and not jump, <laughs> right? Um, it, it, and everyone's body type is a little bit different. But um, I, I kind of I look at like an overall view of training is like most people kind of train that like, um, like, like you were saying, they go out for a walk. They kind of train at medium all the time. Like they don't have an easy day and a hard day. They, they do like every day is a hard day and it kind of brings down the common denominator. <laughs> so I think that's like, you know, program design is a, is a huge thing. We're like, you know, kind of when we're talking about some of this stuff, I'm assuming most people that are going to be listening to this are not professional, um, you know, athletes. Like they're not going to be going out and, you know, competing professionally and if they are it's a completely different thing like that that should be a six or seven day a week deal and you should be dedicating minimum four hours a day to it um you know i would say six or seven would be better but for most people that's not in the cards and it's not realistic um so a lot of this stuff is like you know how do you get the biggest bang for your buck out of the the time that you can invest um and I think that's, that's really kind of just to give you an idea of where I'm like really approaching this from uh, more than anything. Yeah. So. I mean, my experience training at a very high level was, um, you know, after you need like at least three or four hours of hard training to get to a yeah. level of fitness, at least five or mm-hmm. six days a week. Yeah, absolutely. After, after four, I started to see like kind of middling returns because you get so tired. You just don't want to stand on your feet anymore. Like, especially like I would, I'd be training until like 12 o'clock at night and I'm mm-hmm. just like, like, yeah, I feel like I would do things like I'd work on my form and I'd work mm-hmm. on like some like lighter stuff at the like later hours of the day, but it was definitely not as beneficial. Like you see like uh, Asian right. athletes, they have this elite training where they basically don't go to school. They just train eight hours a day. They go, yep. they like live in a dormitory with their coach and he just coaches them. He's like two hours, then you eat two hours, eat, then you right. sleep. Like you have a nap in the middle of the day and like, it's like, right. you're like and that's kind of what I was talking about. Like a full day, not like all yeah. in one block. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But even still, even still, when you compare those to American athletes, I do think Asian athletes are a little bit better, but you know, mm-hmm. American athletes model is like you go to college, but you're also going to class and maybe you do like four hours of training 
five days Maybe. a week, as opposed yeah. to eight hours a day, six days a week. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a little bit more, but I also think there's like this kind of degradation to your body that occurs mm-hmm. when you're getting to like those, like that eighth hour. Yeah. Training. So it is, yeah, yeah, I mean, but yeah, you have, to, you have to be careful with that. Yeah, but here's the thing. <laughs> the point no of diminishing one, returns, right? <laughs> in the martial arts world, no one can train even yeah. four hours a day because they can do like that kind of like, oh, I go to my school and they have four classes in a row and they're like yeah. designed for like family, kids and families. And I just like do like one hour and then I say for another hour. They can do that kind of thing, but that's not really four hours of hard training in my opinion. Right. Four hours right. of hard training is very different. If you did four hours of hard training you would need to be thinking a lot about like taking time to like eat big meals and sleep yeah. during the day and like weird things that you, uh, you, you would, you really would have to like have a part-time job. If anything, you really couldn't have a full-time job and train professionally. Um, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why we're going to be starting up here at the school. Once this COVID-19 thing is over, uh, restarting our internship program where like mm-hmm. I basically, they like work, they live at the school, they live with me. Um, and they train like eight hours a day and the, you can't do that anywhere else. Um, right. I think in order for people to get to a high level of fitness, they have to go through that kind of a program. It's, right. And, and that's, that's like, I think we had this conversation before about like me not training MMA athletes because like, it's not that I wouldn't have the skills to get someone to the point where they could at least locally compete, you know, or, you know, have the resources where like, you know, I obviously would bring in probably like a, a jujitsu coach to work with them a little bit more on, on grappling, but you know, the, the conditioning side of it and things like that I could handle. But the, the problem is every person I talk to, they're like, they didn't want to put the work in that would have been needed to, for, for me to feel comfortable with them getting to that point Absolutely. of competing. And it's like, I, I had this conversation with these, these neutral ground guys that were, were in the space with, and they're kind of like the same thing. They're like, it, it takes you know, minimum of two years to get your blue belt with us. And if you don't have a blue belt, you're not competing with our name, like at all. And even then it's like, all right, you're tournaments and in combat corner and the grap- some grappling competitions. And then after you get your, you know, your feet wet with that, then maybe we'll throw you into some kickboxing stuff and they just like slowly build it. It's like five years before you're going to get into, um, into a competition, you know, um, well, you know, it, it's, it, you're not going to get there overnight and you get these guys like yeah. BJ Penn, they're like, Oh, he got his black belt in like a year. It's like the dude trained like all day, <laughs> every day for that and did nothing else. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, you can't look at the, Oh, he got it in a year, but a year of what? Like yeah. I got my black belt pretty quick, but I was at the school like, you know, every, every day and I was running classes at, at uh, blue belt. You know, so I was there, you know, teaching and exercising with everyone, plus our trainings we had during the day. I'd stay and I'd work on stuff myself. You know, so it's like, yeah, you look at, like, time-wise, maybe I got it pretty quick. But I think as far as the hours put in, I think I probably put in more hours than most people do by the time they get their black belt. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's the difference, that, that people don't see that aspect of it. And I think that's, that's really important to look at, like, when – when you kind of look at the grand scheme of things yeah right it's something that you know when you were describing that whole thing of you know 
neutral ground and how they prepare their fighters and how it might take five years for them to get to the point of actually right. going out there and competing. That is mm-hmm. actually what a black belt in Taekwondo represented, like originally, you know, right. uh, and in, in most traditional martial arts, it meant that you, you know, they weren't going to just send you out as a white belt to compete as their school. You would get annihilated and you would look terrible. Like you had to have some rudimentary understanding of, you know, the basic kicks and punches that like, and you would be able to perform them well. Um, right. Then you would go, and that's what a black belt symbolized, that you knew like the basics, you were like good enough to like go out and start competing. And right. then you would earn your dawn based on how well you competed, you know? Mm-hmm. And things right. moved a, a little bit away from that, but I agree with you. Right. Um, I, I, th- I think I, I, was, I was explaining that to my students too, is like, you know, when, when you get your black belt, you're basically showing you understand the basics. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, good. Now you have the basics down that took, mm-hmm. you know, five years or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, master to me, like, you know, I even, I felt even more like this when I, when I got my fourth degree is like, okay, like, and I know I still have stuff that I, I'm working on, but like, I really felt like by the time I got there, like I really had a solid grasp of the basics mm-hmm. and that's the stuff I like, I like to work on most because anything you learn from there is like, you're building off that foundation. Right. And yeah. that like kind of going back to like the fitness stuff too, like, I, I don't like giving people these super complicated, like you can give people all this crazy complicated stuff to do but the thing is like what's what's the overall benefit going to be and then when you stack something on top of that like what's their level of function going to be because a lot of times they're very dysfunctional mm-hmm. you know it might look like you see crossfit athletes doing all this stuff and like even if you ever watch the crossfit games like these people that are in dead last place mm-hmm. like that is out of like hundreds of thousands of people that have went through all their like the CrossFit open and regionals and whatever other crap they have involved in getting into there. Cause they keep adding stuff. Cause there's so many people that do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't realize how good someone has to be just to suck at the CrossFit games. Like yeah. they're no joke, probably some of the most like elite in shape people in the world because yeah. they're doing that, you know, training seven, eight hours a day. And you know, there's, but they're, you know, that's their full-time job. Like they, they go home, they get eight hours of sleep. They wake up in the morning, they go to the gym for a few hours, they eat, they go back to the gym for a few hours, they go take a nap, they go back to the gym. Like they're, that's their life. And they have someone doing their food for them. And um, most people aren't ready for that level of commitment and, and dedication to do something like that. So, Absolutely. you know, but they're, they're so good at like, you know, they throw all these weird things at these athletes every year and try and give them this different stuff. But like the reason they can adapt to it so well is because you look at, you know, someone like, uh, I don't know if you follow the, the games at all, but like Matt Frazier, who has won, I think more times than anyone now, the guy is a, a beast and he is a, a former junior Olympic uh, weightlifting champion. Mm. So the reason he does so well at this stuff is he has this massively solid base in Olympic weightlifting. So of course he does really well at a lot of these things. He had to work on his conditioning for his running, but that's, that was an easy thing, easy fix for him, you know? So that, that's kind of like a, I think any of this stuff, you want to take a holistic approach to it and like kind of, you know, step back and see like what your goals really are and then start building off that foundation um, to, to really make sure that whatever effort you're putting in isn't wasted. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know, I'm so. for sure. 
like you also have to say like well what do you what are you trying to accomplish with your life you know right you want to be like a crossfit like competitor because if you want to do that nope. you're not be <laughs> a top martial artist like they're right. very different like right you, uh, there's going to be some overlap but it's like with me like you know competing in taekwondo there was a there was a decision i had to make like do i become a really good self-defense martial artist and learn all mm -hmm. these pieces and everything like that or do i just compete in olympic style taekwondo because if i want to do that i got to focus on those specific kicks and punches that work in that playing field right and um the same thing not accidentally like, punch someone in the face <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so you know it's always it's always these decisions we have to make uh, how to spend yep. um yeah okay, absolutely one, last question i wanted to ask you I actually had a bunch yeah. but we, we've gone a long time already so i'm gonna skip over everything I, I feel like we could like talk all day about this stuff though too absolutely <laughs> we'll have to we'll do have, a 2.0 <laughs> yeah we'll have to have you back on and we'll, we'll talk more about this um nutrition if uh you could just say one thing one give give my students one piece of advice about nutrition what would it be okay um this is kind of a, a pretty easy one um so like eat whole foods mostly vegetables and not too much that's that that sums up my nutrition strategy um so like if you had to go out and farm or hunt down the food i'm not saying like the paleo diet was the thing to do um because i know that was like their thing is like you know a hunter gatherer type of mentality but like if you couldn't grow it prepare it yourself um or go out and kill it yourself and, and prepare it you probably shouldn't be putting it on your plate you know if it came from a plant it's you know, probably not good for you but if it was grown as a plant you probably are okay with that right <laughs> your body knows well, how to process is there that some stuff. um is there some theory behind it requiring more energy for your body to break it down and thus you'll um you'll get less calories out of it because like um so yeah there well so kind of I mean, can i just say one thing before you go yeah, before yeah. You go. so like i was yeah. learning a lot about how fire was really important to our development as human beings and like mm -hmm. the reason one reason why fire was so important is not only did it kill the germs but it also broke down the food and made it easier for us to process so we could like consume lots of calories and that was really useful back in the day mm -hmm. uh, right not so useful now you know when everything's like super processed it's like just direct right. calories into your body yeah you know? You could, you could almost like the coffee and just do an IV, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess like kind of two, two things along that, that point. I hope I remember the, the second one. But um, like going back to the, uh, um, like you were saying, like it takes more to, to break things down like that. So there's this thing called the thermic effect of food, which is basically the easiest way to sum this up is, let's say I gave you a 100-calorie pixie stick and you, you ate that. Uh, that is instantly in your body like that that sugar before it even gets to your stomach your body's absorbed already it's the most efficient way for your body to get those carbohydrates which a lot of that stuff yes you know fruit has carbohydrates and sugars but it's it's a little bit different so even if you would eat like an apple for example right and let's say you know for, for the sake of argument the apple is 100 calories mm -hmm. you have to bite the apple you have to chew it so you're using your jaw right and the muscles in your in your in your mouth to chew that then you have to swallow it 
and you have to digest it and it has to go through your whole digestive tract and slowly break down and separate the sugar from the fiber that's in the apple and you know separate all the nutrients that are in there and break them down and send them to the places in your body that uh, needs that particular nutrition. So there's a lot more going on than just this instant energy. So, you know, a lot of that's been, been processed. Um, kind of the second component to that, as far as like, you know, fire and, uh, or just like cooking food, you know, there's things where like you get different components out of food if you prepare them different ways. So if you take like uh, blueberries, for example, and you freeze them, uh, and then you put them in like a smoothie and blend them up or, you know, you even throw them in your yogurt, you're going to get some different benefits out of the blueberries than if you would have just like chewed on them and like, you know, eaten them. Um, because basically they're, what's, what's happening is that, that the fiber is kind of broken down a little bit more from being frozen. You know, it'd be the same thing if you took them and like heated them up and like, you know, I don't know why you'd saute blueberries, but you sauteed them. Um, the same kind of thing would happen. Like, you know, if you eat uh, raw broccoli versus steamed versus, you know, baked or, you know, whatever. So there's, there's different components of the, the nutrition that's going to, you know, kind of be more readily available to you because you're not going to always be able to use all of the protein or all of the, you know, carbohydrates or all of the fiber that's in there because not yeah. everything in there is meant for us to process. Like yeah. there's, there's there's basically like nine building blocks, the amino acids that we need as human beings for protein. Um, but like in vegetables, there's a lot and, you know, even meats and stuff, there's a lot of other components of protein that we just don't use. Um, and it's not bad for you, but it's just, there's a lot of different components to this stuff that um, I guess the, the, the best way to put it is like, you know, you have to, uh, you know, find, find foods that are, you know, like I said, kind of going back to the whole foods thing again, like, you know, things that our ancestors would have eaten are, are going to be the best options. Um, you know, so like Taco Bell probably wasn't around in, you know, the 1600s or something like that, or even before that. <laughs> so, um, I, I think if I was going to give advice to somebody, like the, the thing that was the most eye opening to me is, um, count the calories they're consuming. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think most people have any idea about how much calories are in something. Like, in, you go to McDonald's and you get, like, a like a hamburger, like a Whopper, and like a right. large, large fry and a drink. That's, like, almost all the calories you should be eating for the entire day. People have, like, no yeah. concept of how many and, calories and they're consuming and how many you should consume. I think, like... And they'll do a shake and other, yeah, other yeah. stuff with that, too. Yeah. Yep. It's, like, you should... Um, and they think, oh, well, that's just one meal. So if you ate three of those meals a day, you would be massive. Like you but can't people do. do that. And people do do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they say, oh, it's because of like some obscure little like, you know, fad uh, diet thing. And I'm like, mm -hmm. like okay, that, that stuff might yep. be important, but let's first talk about the calories because it's like, gra it's like grammar with English. I'm English. I was an English major. And it's like, mm -hmm. before you right. start talking about, you know, like higher levels of, you know, sentence structure and theory and stuff like that, you first need to understand, like, how do you, like, put together a sentence, you know, and, and, and make it not be a run-on sentence and, or comma splice or whatever. And, sorry about that. Yep. Um, oh, that's right. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, I, I just think like first knowing how many calories you should be consuming and how many calories are in what you're eating is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I see a lot of people struggle with the, like, I, I recommend people to get MyFitnessPal um, and then they, you can literally like scan your food and punch it in. Yeah. People struggle with that a lot. And so like uh, quantity of food is going to determine your scale weight. So like if you're eating like, you know, let's say 3,000 calories a day, that's going to be more of a determining factor of how much you weigh, but then the, like the quality of the food that you're eating. So if you're eating like mostly whole foods, you know, mostly vegetables, things like that, most people are, you know, pretty intuitive as to like what to actually eat. So um, like a really simple thing, they have a, a guide on like how to use your hand for uh, like a kind of a food scale. Cause that it can be really stressful for a lot of people to count and track calories. Um, and, like easy thing to do, like the, the size and thickness of your palm should be your protein serving for your meal. That's about like 20 to 30 grams, mm. uh, two cupped handfuls, like, you know, so you go like this and fill your hands up. That should be your carbohydrate serving for the meal. And then like your two thumbs like that is your fat. Um, and if you're doing like a, a vegetarian protein serving is about the size of your fist. So it's pretty, pretty simple to kind of eye it up. <laughs> and then you fill the rest of your plate in with veggies. I so, like it. I like it. That's yeah. a great ending note for that. Okay, I have one yeah. last question, and then I'm right. going to let you go. Um, right. You know, in the last, like, 20 years, I've seen a lot of um, training implements become trendy. You see, like, mm -hmm. medicine balls, like, picking them up and slamming them on the ground, tires, yep. tires, these ropes and stuff that people love to use. Yep. And then you see kettlebells, right? And yep. all of it has one common denominator. They're like super badass things to do. I used to see these like these Russian bags where you like sling them around and stuff. Like those are. Oh really yeah, we got some of those things. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> so here's my question: Are kettlebells just like dumbbells, but more badass, or are they <laughs> superior in some way? So okay, so they're different. Um, yeah, the the thing is, like I I prefer kettlebells because. You know they're slightly more badass, but um, yeah, <laughs> just just a little bit. Um, that being said, like you have to pick the right tool for the job. Um, so, if let's say for example you're um, you know you're, you're a bodybuilder and you just want to put on muscle, kettlebell is not going to be the tool for you. It's it's not the thing that you want to go with. You want to go with dumbbells and barbells. That's going to be your your best you know simplest thing. Um, as far as like an overall training tool i think the kettlebell is superior because you can have like three maybe four kettlebells and keep yourself busy your entire life and continue to improve your conditioning and strength um just by having a couple sizes of them mm -hmm. um so that's that's i that's why i think they're really superior it's just kind of you know the the amount of stuff that you can do with them um is you know kind of vastly yeah. vastly um I'm trying to think of how to yeah superior to like you know there's barbells have restrictions dumbbells have restrictions yeah. with what you can do and obviously kettlebells do as well but not really as many um sure. you can build muscle with kettlebells it's just they're not as easy to build muscle with um and it really sucks to do a muscle building program with just kettlebells because it's just it it winds up being super brutal <laughs> <laughs> uh i've done it before <laughs> gotcha. man it sucks so yeah i think that would be probably the best answer to the question is just they're they're definitely more versatile 
Um, I can go on a road trip somewhere and I take one kettlebell with me. I have my whole gym with me um, while I'm going. I, I have kettlebells that have traveled all over the country with me. Uh, you know, been to Colorado and, you know, Michigan and, you know, Pennsylvania, all over the place. So it's, uh, it, it's nice to have it and just say, all right, now I can get my training and I'm not missing anything. And it, it takes up like that much room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah. What's, what's, so, what are the typical weights that you like usually move? Uh, for me, it, it depends on what I'm doing. Uh, they're, they're in kilograms. So like the 24 kilograms is the one I, I think I use the most. It's about 53 pounds. Yeah. Um, so the, you use that with two hands or just one hand? It, both. It depends on what you're doing with it. Like, you know, swings are like a two-handed deal. Dude, it's a, beast. So, <laughs> a lot of the stuff you do is like a little bit more ballistic um, or okay. like you know like pressing like this you know yeah. so we'll do you know presses with it um, it's a little bit different feel to the weight too um, I, I do have some stuff I, I go heavier with but you know really that's a it's a pretty good weight for like generally keeping myself in, in fighting shape I would suppose because it's not so heavy that I'm going to injure myself I can kind of you know play around with it a little bit uh, you know, some of the, the heavier weights that I, that I use, like right, right now I have a, a goal of getting my half body weight press. So I'm, I'm using like 32 kilogram and 36 kilogram bells. So about like 70, 80 ish pounds right around there, um, to try and get up to 40 kilograms, which is, you think like 88, 90 pounds. They, they all Small weigh time. a little bit different. It's, it's cast iron, so um, they don't all weigh exactly the same. They, they say what they weigh on the side, but if you put it on a scale, they're usually a little bit different. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so what kind of bowling ball are you using? <laughs> what, a 20 pound? I don't, I, don't, pound? I don't go bowling, but I think a 20 or 30 pound <laughs> ball wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, we do, we do have some heavier ones. I have one that's like 123 pounds that, um, you know, we'll do swings with um, on occasion but more for like generating power than anything. It's like just doing like five. We're not doing sure. tons of swings with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, for like general conditioning and stuff, you don't have to go super heavy. It's more of like how you execute it than, than the weight to a point. Um, most, like for most women, we're usually having them use between like eight to 20 kilogram kettlebells for most stuff. Guys are usually, you know, depending on their age, like kind of 14 to 28 or 32 kilogram bells so there's like kind of a range of um weights that that people will use but every once in a while we like to kind of push beyond that a little bit too so well master green it's great to have you on we're gonna have to have you back on again it's a lot of absolutely to uh, ask you i <laughs> barely got through my list of things that to I, that's, how, that's how that always goes right <laughs> yeah awesome but awesome well i wish you the best of luck in these difficult times at your school and uh yeah. yeah talk to you later you as well sounds good